following is a continuation of our study called Never Out of Reach, looking at the book of Jonah. We hope you enjoy. Jonah chapter 4, can I get a volunteer to open us in prayer? Uh, can I get... There we go. Alright, thank you. Go ahead. Amen. We're in Jonah chapter 4. Who would like to read? It's only 11 verses. Can I get a volunteer to read? How about 1, one to 5? And then 6 to 11. Let's read 6 to 11. Somebody on this side. Peter. Alright, so Anna's got 1 to 5. Peter's got 6 to 11. Go ahead. But at this place, Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a boot for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from its discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it would When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry with the plant? And he said, Yes. I do well be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you do not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from the left, and also much cattle? Okay, thank you. All right, at the end of chapter 3, where were we left off? What had just happened? Yeah, so the people of Nineveh responded very well to Jonah's message, right? And even the king responded well. What a great way to end the book, right? We could just end there and everything would have been great. Like, Jonah went through some difficult things. The Lord restored him. He goes and fulfills his mission. And then he goes home riding off into the sunset, right? But no. It's almost like Jonah takes five steps backwards right here, is it not? We get to the darkest point of Jonah's life. He did respond to God. He did listen to God. But now we really get to see a peek into his heart and see why he did everything that he did up to this point. So this wasn't the end. God still has work to do in Jonah's heart. Even despite having done this amazing work in Nineveh, Jonah still has a lot of bitterness and a lot of frustration, and a lot of anger that the Lord needs to deal with. So we're going to work by looking at Jonah's heart and by looking at God's heart. But tonight I want us to see that God will always continue to work in the hearts of those that displease Him. So God is always going to work in our hearts, even when we're bitter, even when we're angry. He never gives up on that. And that's kind of been the theme of this whole series that we've been doing, that God never gives up on us. So we're going to see that tonight. Let's look at Jonah's heart. 
So Jonah had every reason to be doing what right now? He should be rejoicing. He should be happy. The Lord called him to do this work. He gave him great success. Jonah didn't get beat up or attacked or mocked. They listened. And he should be rejoicing, but he's not. So what is his attitude? It's, we talked about it on Sunday night, anger. Okay, He's very, very angry. In fact, it says he's exceedingly angry. So he's, he's ticked right now. Why do you think he's mad? You have to kind of read between the lines here to, to understand why he's mad. But Gideon, what do you think? He wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. Yeah. He really didn't like the Ninevites. Okay, He hated these people. He did not like them. He wanted them to fall under God's judgment, but God provided that grace for them. Nineveh hated God, but God loved them. And God pursued them and drew them to himself. So Jonah should be ecstatic, but he's going to all extremes right now to say, God, that's not what I really wanted to happen, and I'm not happy about it. So we picked that up in verse 2. Somebody read verse 2 for me. Pray to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee the hardships. hardships. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, so to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So what is Jonah saying here? At first glance, it's kind of hard to understand. What is he revealing about himself here? Gideon. He ran away from God because mm-hmm. he knew that God would um, save the Ninevites if they repented. Yeah. And he wanted like them to like die. Yeah, so of course Jonah was scared to go to Nineveh because it was a dangerous place. But we're exposing Jonah's heart here to see that he really didn't want to go because he knew God was a gracious God and he knew God would call these people to himself and Jonah, in his bitterness and anger towards these people, said, Well, I don't want that to happen, so I'm, I'm out. Okay. So yes, there was fear, but this is the main reason why he left. He hated these people so much. What can we learn from that? What are some things that we can learn from just that statement about ourselves? Okay. Okay. We might have selfish tendencies like this. When the Lord calls us to do something or is leading us in a direction, we may think, well, I don't want to go be with those people. Or I really don't like that kid. Or why would you send me there, Lord? I'd rather go to this place over here where I feel safer and more comforted. We see that Jonah was okay when the grace was pointed where? Towards himself, himself, right? God saved him from the fish, saved him from the deep. And he was rejoicing and praising God for that. But the second that that grace turns towards somebody else that he hates, what does he do? He is so mad. We see that Jonah knew of God's graciousness. He says it in verse 2. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew if I went there right away that you would save them. And I didn't want that. So he's trying to manipulate God here. Okay. And what does he ask God for? He's asked him for this once before. He wants to die. Okay, we saw that in chapter 1. Perhaps he feels some shame here. He doesn't even answer God's question. So it's almost like he knows the answer to God's question. But he is so angry at this point that he doesn't even care to answer God. So he storms out of the city. Where does he go? He goes and finds a place overlooking the town. And what is he doing? He's sitting there. What do you think he's waiting for? Yeah, it's almost like he's counting down the days. Okay, day 39. Day 38, day 37, 36, so on and so on. Waiting 
for God to just smite this city and destroy it. But what happens? Nothing. Nothing, because they repented. They turned to God. Yes? What eventually happened to Nineveh? We'll get to that in a little bit. We'll get to that in a little bit. The question to Jonah was God's first challenge to him. He challenges him a couple times here, and he's going to provide specific providences to try and draw Jonah back to himself. And it's going to take a lot. Okay, I hope you can see just how ridiculous it is, how many times God has to reach out to Jonah and pull him back in here. So this was his first challenge, and he ignored it. Okay, He ignored it, and he ran up to this hill and overlooked the city. So let's look at God's heart in this situation and see what we can learn from theirs. He issues another challenge. In verse 6, what does it say? And now the Lord... Okay, and I don't want you to miss what's going on here. He's appointing a plant. Where have we seen that word before? A fish. Okay, he appointed the fish, right? So this is another way that God is showing that I'm at work here. You may have built this booth for shade, but I'm going to provide this plant that's going to be even better. And what happens to Jonah's attitude at that point? He's happy. He's joyful. All of these things were appointed throughout this book. All of nature bends to God's will. But what happens to Jonah's happiness when this plant's taken away? He gets angry again, and he wants to die. Okay, it's, it's almost like he's taking great comfort in this plant. You know, he's probably the loneliest guy in the world. There's 120,000 people down the hill, and he's got no friends. So who's his best friend at this point? The plant. Okay, it's like the lonely cat lady that's got 15 cats at her house. Okay, he's taking care of this plant. He loves it. It's almost like he runs down to the water and gets a bucket of water and takes it up and just waters the plant because he's so in love with this plant. <laughs> But when this plant goes away because of this worm that God appoints, he gets angry again and wants to die. Okay, so after this worm is appointed, what else is appointed? What comes after the worm? It says the wind. Okay, there's a scorching wind. Okay, the wind that came from the east was really, really hot. Who here loves a nice breeze on a hot day? The best, right? It's almost like the heat doesn't even matter anymore because that breeze feels so good. But have you ever had like a really hot breeze blow on you during a hot day? It's the worst thing in the world. It's awful. Yeah, absolutely. It's awful. Why do you think God is doing all this? Okay, well, obviously he doesn't at this point. What do you think he's really trying to show Jonah through all this? He's going again, again, again. Gideon. Yes, he's always there. And he's the provider. He's the one that provided the plant. He's the one that appoints this worm. He's the one that appointed this wind. And even though the worm and the, the wind weren't joyful things to Jonah, what were they meant to do? To teach him. Okay, to remind him of God's goodness and of God's grace. So we have this plant. We have this wind. Jonah's just awful. He wants to die again. He'd enjoyed the benefits of God's provision. But now when God's provision turns towards discipline and turns towards teaching him and rebuking him, he's like, I don't want anything to do with it. Okay, 
It's cursing God in a sense. So, the Lord is providing in His providence His moments to teach Jonah, and He continually just keeps pushing them away over and over. So He has to die again after God asks this question, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Do you see how bitter He is here? Have you all ever been bitter at God? Like frustrated, angry, like, God, how could you do this? This is that times a thousand. He's almost hating God at this point. And in verse 10, it says, And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. What he's saying is, I made this plant. I provided it for you. You are to take joy in that. But when I took that plant away, you cursed my name. You were angry at me. And he's saying, I'm the one that provided that plant for you in the first place. How dare you speak to me like that, is essentially what he's saying. And, and he uses that illustration as a way to speak of what he's doing through what Jonah had just done in Nineveh. And he's using that as an illustration to say, those people are my people. And I can do with them whatever I want. Okay? I've drawn them to myself. I have nurtured their hearts. I have turned them away from their idols and turn them towards me. They are mine and I love them. How dare you be angry at me for saving them? In C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Mr. Beaver tells Susan that Aslan is a great lion, and Susan is surprised since she thought Aslan was a man. She tells Mr. Beaver, I feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And she says, is he safe? And what's the reply? Safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. God didn't call Jonah to do a safe thing. God didn't call Jonah to go and do this easy thing and just reap all the benefits and sit back and enjoy. God called Jonah to do something very difficult. He called him out of his comfort zone, and he called him to an important task that he wanted him to do. Christ calls us to get out of our comfort zones. Christ calls us to do things that we may not particularly want to do. Who here has ever had to do something they just dreaded doing? Okay. Does it feel good? Oh, no. no. But we're not called to sit back and live the easy life. What does Jesus say we need to take up daily? School. Our cross. We're to take up our cross daily and follow him. Last time I checked, carrying a cross is not an easy thing. But he calls us to do that. Uh, God called Jonah... But Jonah had a misplaced love. His love was where? On himself. He had his own comforts. He had his own loves. And that love did not involve these people called the Ninevites. When God challenged that, it revealed his heart. So I hope you can kind of see where we're going with this. I want the Lord to really challenge your hearts to see the areas that you may feel like you just cannot go there or cannot talk to that person or when you have this bitterness and anger towards a specific person, what is really going on there? Why do you hate that person? Why do you hate that group of people? We must be willing to embrace the not safe. Because again, God calls us to a life of following Him, and that life is not easy. It involves suffering. It involves pain. But it is one that is good because He is good to us. It all goes to show that the Lord really has to work on the people that follow Him, right? Like even Jonah. Jonah wrote a book of the Bible, okay? That's probably like 
the coolest thing to put on your resume, right? And even Jonah had to be worked on over and over and over. And I hope you find comfort in the fact that the Lord is going to work over and over and over in your hearts. And he's going to keep pursuing you. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't give up. He doesn't say, ah, Bennett, I'm done. Okay. Can't pursue him anymore. Can't do it. But Nathan, he's pretty cool. I'll I'll keep pursuing him. He never gives up. He never gives up. Turn to Luke 9.23. Let's close with this. I just read part of this verse, but it says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jonah wasn't willing to deny himself, but Jesus calls us to do that. Now, I wish I had an answer for you whether or not Jonah learned his lesson. We don't know from the book itself. But he did write the book. My hope and my prayer is that he got himself together and believed what God was teaching him and turned to him. But I hope this whole study in this series has been a challenge to you to remind you of how much God loves you and remind you that he's never going to let you go. Because we all doubt, right? Who's ever doubted if God loved them? I'm raising my hand because I'm the chief of that. We all doubt that in different ways. But we know it's not true because the Bible tells us that he loves us. And Jonah is a perfect example of that. And he did the stupidest stuff over and over and over. But God held on to him. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. And then the girls are going to stay in here. And then the dudes are going to go with me to that room over there. Yes. You never said, uh, you told Gideon we would get to Yeah, you never said what happens if they continue. Let me pray, and then we'll get there. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you that you have drawn us to yourself, Lord. We thank you that you never let us go once you've drawn us to yourself. We just praise you for how you give us that assurance. We ask that we be reminded of that, uh, even as we uh, work through these questions tonight. Lord, I just praise you for the work that you've started in the lives of these young men and women. And I ask that you would continue to grow them and never let them go. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYN.